usually it's like family members they're concerned and then once you show them that like it's okay like it's working you're happy you've got this like awesome dynamic career you're, you're paying the bills like usually they back off do you right Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 173 with Emily Wapnick. Have you ever struggled to figure out what you want to be when you grow up? Or maybe you're already grown up and you still balance multiple interests and don't feel like you can just fit into one box or one thing. Well, today's guest, Emily Wapnick, has created a whole set of resources just for people like that, people like you and like me. And I actually have a hunch that there are a lot of us among tiny house dwellers. The word that Emily uses is multipotentialite. And in this conversation, we're going to talk about what a multipotentialite is and what our kind of unique needs are when it comes to finding work and feeling fulfilled in our pursuits, whether it's work, creativity, or more. It's a really interesting conversation, and I think you'll, you'll learn some things about yourself and about how you can apply some tips and techniques to planning and building a tiny house. I hope you stick around. I'd like to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Precision Temp. Precision Temp is making one product to solve two issues that I know everyone deals with in a tiny house running out of hot water, and heating your tiny house. Precision Temp has made the amazing Twin Temp Junior propane tankless water heater, which provides unlimited hot water for your tiny house and hydronic heating. This means you get warm, heated floors so there are no cold spots. It's designed specifically for tiny houses and features whisper-quiet operation as well as high efficiency. If you want more information on how Precision Temp can help make living tiny easier, and more comfortable, visit precisiontemp.com. While you're there, use the coupon code THLP for $100 off the Twin Temp Junior plus free shipping. That website again is precisiontemp.com, coupon code THLP for $100 off the Twin Temp Junior plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Precision Temp for sponsoring our show. I am here with Emily Wapnick. Emily is an award-winning author and community builder. She is the founder and creative director at puttylike.com and theputtyverse.com, where she helps multi-potentialites, people with many passions and creative pursuits, integrate all of their interests to create dynamic, fulfilling, and fruitful careers and lives. Unable to settle on one path herself, Wapnick studied music, film production, and law, graduating from the law faculty at McGill University. Wapnick's book, How to Be Everything, A Guide for Those Who Still Don't Know What They Want to Be When They Grow Up, was published by HarperCollins in 2017. It has been translated into 13 languages and won a Nautilus Book Award. Emily Wapnick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. (laughs) I basically asked you to come on the show because I, I have a theory. And, and that theory is that I think that tiny house dwellers and multi-potentialites, that this is a Venn diagram that has a lot of kind of meat in the middle, that there, there's some overlap. Um, 
but, and I want to like, I want to talk through it with you and kind of suss this out, but I think we'll have to start because I'm, I doubt that many people listening have even heard the word multipotentialite. Um, so can we start there? Like what is multipotentiality? Yeah. Okay. So a multipotentialite is someone with many interests and creative pursuits. That's kind of my concise definition. Uh-huh. It's someone who is curious about a lot of different subjects and has maybe done a lot of different things and doesn't want to just be one thing or maybe doesn't feel like they have one true calling. Or, you know, you become interested in something, you do it for a while, and then like the world decides this is what you are. And you're like, wait a second, but like, actually, I'm interested in that other thing too. And I'd like to do that as well. And then I have these other side projects and you're just not easily pigeonholed, not easily put into a box because you're curious and you don't really have a specialty. So that's a multi-potentialite. And I think many of us grow up feeling like there's something wrong with us for having a lot of different passions. And I, my whole mission is to like reframe that and be like, no, actually it's a strength. There are lots of people out there like us and we can build like amazing, eclectic, interesting, fruitful lives. Awesome. I like that. I like your rambling definition. <laughs> so how how would somebody know if they're a multipotentialite? Like is there is there a checklist? Is there a quiz? Um <laughs> run us down. Yeah, I mean there is a quiz on my website. You can go to puttylike.com and take a quiz. I think most people when they hear the definition, they're like either like yes, that's me 100% or they're like I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know, a, a multi-potentialite or a multi-pod for short, some clues, you know, maybe there, there are some silly things you can do. Like you can look at your bedside table and like, do you have more than a few books on many different topics? Then you might be a multi-pod. Do you have like a bunch of different web browser tabs open that are like on all kinds of random things? Then you might be a multi-pod. But also just looking at your life and your path, um, it's usually pretty clear if you've you know, shifted from one field of study, whether it's formal or like just learning on your own or just your own interests to something else that's totally, totally different. And whether that's a pattern you see in yourself and also whether you have trouble just kind of resigning yourself to the idea of like one version of you and you kind of want to break out of that all the time. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Now, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to come out of the closet for everyone listening. <laughs> I am definitely a multipod. Uh, and Emily and I have known each other for, I think, more than 10 years at this point. Um, but you essentially, maybe you could tell us about like, about what you do. Like, what is, what is your website putty like? And, and what is the putty verse? Yeah. Um, so I started putty like over 10 years ago. And it started out just as a blog where I was like, I can't be the only person like this. And also like, I'm sick of being anxious about this trait in myself. And I want to find a way to make it work. I want to find other multi-potentialites who have really interesting careers and learn from them and share what I'm learning and kind of go from there. And, and, and it started out as as a blog and it sort of evolved into a community. And now it's a multi-author blog. We've got four or five writers every month. 
and we publish articles on everything that multi-potentialites struggle with and think about really. So a lot of work and career, how to do many things in a sustainable way, how to structure your career, and then a lot around creativity and productivity, prioritizing you know, your different projects and interests. And some stuff around like fear and self-doubt and introducing yourself when you do many things, dealing with family members who don't get it or don't understand like a, a shift that you're making in your life, changing directions, all those sorts of things we talk about on the website. We also have a community called the Puttyverse, which is, you know, there's about 600 multi-potentialites in there right now. And we brainstorm our projects, people get advice. There's like accountability buddies. We match people up for accountability. We have focus parties and co-working and lots of events. And you know, the it's it's a community of multi-potentialites. So there's like a lot going on in there. And even they've even formed their own little subgroups within the community. So there's like multipods who are into writing and multipods who are interested in mental health and like just all kinds of there's just like a lot going on in there of course as you can imagine it's a real co-created community I would say cool. and like a really encouraging space because like so many of us grow up feeling like we're the only ones out there only people out there like this and just getting a lot of crap from the world about having many passions so it's nice to have it a safer space for people to come together. Yeah. I mean, I think that the decision to build a tiny house, if you've never built anything before is, is a total multi-pod kind of move. And then even with, within building a tiny house, there are so many different skills and things that you have to learn. If you're truly going to DIY it, you know, you've got the construction and then electrical and plumbing and heating and just, it's, it's a massive undertaking you said a couple of things that really kind of piqued my interest that I was like, oh, we could just replace the world multipod with tiny house. But I'd love to get your advice on, you know, first of all, like when you are taking on a new project that is totally new to you. Like, so for me, it may be building my tiny house for someone else. They might decide that they want to write a rock opera. Um, mm -hmm. Even though you're a multipod, I'm sure it can still be really overwhelming and hard to learn what you need to learn. So do you have any tips or strategies for, for, for multipods taking on a new big project? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is just getting comfortable with the fact that you might not be very good at first. I think that's the main thing. Like as adults, we, we don't like looking stupid. We don't like doing things we're not good at. And so the, the first step is just kind of being like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm, I might suck at this at first, but there's no way to get better. And, and to just like take the skill piece. I mean, you know, if you're building a house, you probably want some, some skill, but like at first, like, don't worry too much about that and just follow your enthusiasm and you'll learn as you go. And then of course, getting the right guides and the right accountability and the right experts in your life. and yeah, I don't I don't know if I have anything beyond that. No, that's great. I think I think that's um a really important thing is because most adults aren't 
used to being new at something yeah, or not being good at something. I think we, our natural tendency is to like grow older and just kind of not want to learn new things because it's, it's threatening to be a beginner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It can also be really helpful to get around other people who are doing different things and new things and trying stuff, whether or not it's the same thing that you're working on. Mm. And to just yeah, get around other people who like aren't going to judge you and will be encouraging that can be. And also, you know, if you want some accountability, that can be really helpful, too. Yeah. And and I'm going to throw on a shameless plug for my online community, Tiny House yeah. Engage. So for those tiny house people who are looking for that accountability and support and being around other people who are into it. I've got, I've got the community for you. Um, what about, um, you mentioned like dealing with family members. Cause I think mm. that that's a, there's a parallel there to the tiny house world mm. in that, like, why can't you be normal like everyone else and just have one career? Why can't you be normal like everyone else and like buy a normal house? Like, right. Yeah. I mean, so with the multi-potentiality thing, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people about this and when family member isn't a hundred percent about a particular direction mm-hmm. or just the fact that you keep changing directions or whatever, or that you're doing many things from the people I've spoken to, like once they figure it out and their family like sees that they're okay, usually they, they drop it. And sometimes they even get enthusiastic and they're like proud of you. But they're just, usually they're worried. They're just worried like, oh, if this person doesn't specialize, are they going to be successful? Are they going to be able to pay the bills if they're doing many different things, splitting up their focus? There's a lot of like, you know, jack of, jack of all trades, master of none sort of things in the culture that people hear and assume to be true. And there aren't, we don't really think of like multi-potentialite role models. There are many out there, but like, it's not like something people think about. So usually it's like parents are concerned, family member, their family members, they're concerned. And then yeah. once you show them that like, it's okay, like it's working, you're happy. You've got this like awesome dynamic career. You're, you're paying the bills. Like usually they back off. Yeah. And if they don't like, you've got to live your life and like be, do you right? Like, yeah. I don't know if there's a parallel there to the tiny house thing. Well, I, I see it. I mean, I think that that is also sometimes what happens with, with tiny houses. Now, now it's like the concept of a tiny house is much more widely understood. So it's less, um, it's less weird. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, for me early on, once people s- you know, when you say I want to build a tiny little house, people might question that. But then like once they see it or once they kind of mm-hmm. see it taking shape, they understand that it's or they, they see that it's fine and that you're you're going to be OK. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that like that I've noticed in the in the tiny house world. Is that. A big driver of why people want to live tiny is that they ultimately don't want to have to work as much because they don't because their work doesn't necessarily define who they are as people 
And I'm, is, is there a parallel there? Is that like a multi-pod kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I think it depends. Yeah. I, so I've interviewed uh, like dozens and dozens of multi-pods and I've also, you know, I've been working with people like us for a decade. So I've spoken to a lot of people and everyone structures their career a little bit differently. Like I, I have found some patterns and I can talk about that, but the main thing is that people find a way to get the money, meaning and variety they need into their lives. And sometimes people find one job that has all of those factors in it. Other times people pair together multiple revenue streams, a couple part-time jobs or businesses, or they run their own, they have one business they run. Other times someone will have sort of like a, a quote, good enough job. And then they'll explore all their passions on the side. People find different ways of doing this, but you know, some people, it's it's really important to them that what they do for money reflects like the entirety of who they are. Mm-hmm. And for other people, that's not as important. And they would rather just have a job that's enjoyable, but that like also leaves them with free time to explore all their passions without having to monetize everything. So it really depends. And I, I just see it as like whatever structures you have, as long as you've got the finance, the money you need to, you know, meet your financial goals, the variety you need to fulfill your multi-potentiality, and then like uh, the sense of meaning that you're doing something important, whether that's in your paid work or outside of it, like that, that's all that matters is that overall you've got those, those factors. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. I, I, that resonates with me, certainly. And I don't know if it's because I'm steeped in this myself or if I'm like, yeah, there are real parallels to to tiny house living and, and tiny houses here. Do people like. Do people ever stop identifying as multipotentialites? I mean, like, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely there are people who are very involved in our community and then don't feel like they need the support as much right or they find something like one thing and they're like actually I'm just gonna focus on that but yeah that's fine <laughs> I guess I feel like like I'm kind of envisioning like okay so somebody who is a multipod who was like had a bunch of different hustles and was like cobbling together their income gets like one job that's like yeah. kind of like a specialist job Right. But they're still like, I, I, and I'm kind of like, okay, I don't live in my tiny house anymore, but I certainly identify as a tiny house dweller still. Like I've, I've brought the lessons of that forward into what I'm currently doing. Yeah. I mean, I think that multi-potentiality is about curiosity. And so even if you're like doing one thing right now, and who's to say that you'll be doing that thing forever, like some multipods move through their interests sequentially one mm-hmm. one after the next after the next instead of like all at once if you are someone who's curious about multiple unrelated subjects whatever your career looks like then then you're a multipod yeah and you can choose to identify as a multipotentialite or not that i don't really care i you know i there are other words for this there's also like polymath or scanner or renaissance person multipassionate like I don't care what you, how you identify, but if 
multi-potentialite, if this concept and this term is helpful, then use it. Yeah. I, I find that it's helpful for people because before they have a word for it, they're just kind of like, I'm weird. I'm, I'm different. And I don't know what that means. And I, you know, and if you can give it like a, an empowering identity, then, then that can be really freeing for people. And it can kind of, someone can be like, okay, I can, I can try something new because I'm a multi-potentialite. I'm not like betraying my identity as a musician by like shifting to journalism. You know, I'm a multi-potentialite. Like that shift makes total sense. Yeah. So it's just kind of freeing. Totally. But you know, if the label doesn't work for you, then don't use it. All right. Um, (laughs) I need to dog parent for a second. Parsnip is chewing something he's not supposed to. Oh no. Okay. (laughs) I'd like to tell you a little bit more about the sponsor for today's show, Precision Temp. One of the hardest things about being in my tiny house in the winter is that the floors are really cold. And I could have solved that problem by adding more insulation, but the reality is that a tiny house on a trailer is always going to have cold floors or much colder floors than you're used to if you are coming from a house that has a basement or is even built on a slab. So the Precision Temp Twin Temp Junior propane tankless water heater can actually help solve this problem because you can install heated floors in your house and you can do it with the same appliance that provides you with unlimited hot water. So the Twin Temp Junior really does solve two issues with one appliance, which let's be honest, in a tiny house, space matters, cost matters, and just being more intentional. So you get to use one appliance for two purposes. Right now, Precision Temp is offering $100 off the Twin Temp Junior plus free shipping when you use the coupon code THLP at checkout. Head over to their website, precisiontemp.com, for more information on how Precision Temp can help make tiny living easier and more comfortable. And while you're there, be sure to use the coupon code THLP for $100 off the Twin Temp Junior plus free shipping. Thanks so much to Precision Temp for sponsoring our show. What a puppy. (laughs) Everything okay? Yeah. He just grabbed this, like, I have this silicone mat that you can, like, put kibble on or peanut butter. And, like, so he, like, grabbed it off the top of his crate and was just chewing it. (laughs) Probably tastes good. Yeah, I'm sure it tastes great. Um, So you actually, and when I was, you know up with questions that I wanted to ask you, I like remembered that you actually lived tiny for a period of time. Um, I did. So can you tell us about, you know, why, you know, why did you decide to live tiny and, and how did that manifest for you in terms of like, what was your tiny house? Yeah. So about, let's see, maybe six or seven years ago now, I bought a little a little fiberglass trailer, a bowler trailer, uh-huh. and it's super cute. Um, <laughs> not the most like solid thing ever, but yeah, I lived in this little trailer that I could tow with my like sedan, and I drove around the Pacific Northwest a little bit and stayed in various campgrounds and places, and and you know, as long as there was a Wi-Fi connection, I could do my work. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. I mean, it was a bit of a, it was definitely a steep learning curve for me, for sure. 
really like I didn't have a background in camping or any anything like that. It was brand new. Um, and I learned a lot about, you know, plugging leaks and how to like attach how to like tow a thing and like <laughs> attach attach that. Like it was it was all like brand new for me. But it was really fun. I did it for about I lived in there for about five months, so not that long. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not sure what it what appealed to me about it. I think it was getting to see the area. I was pretty new to the Pacific Northwest. Uh-huh. And also my partner, wife, who was then girlfriend, uh, was off at grad school. Uh-huh. And I had this time, you know, we we're doing the long distance thing. And I thought, like, I know she's not going to be into it. So like, why don't I just try this for a while? Yeah. Yeah. And it was me and my, my dog. Now, now I've got two, but it was just me and Grendel at the time. Nice. So Emily and Grendel, what was your, what was your trailer's name? Uh, I think I just called it Bully. Bully. It was a bowler. Trailer. I like it. I like yeah. it. <laughs> Aside from the like practical things, like you learned how to tow a trailer and you like yeah. learned how to plug a leak. Did you take any, like, are there any things that you learned like more philosophically or more, um, you know, more meta that you learned that you feel like you've, you've carried forward from that experience? Yeah. I mean, now I live on a remote Island and I feel like I got a little bit of a taste of that living in, in my little trailer Mm -hmm. at different campgrounds and stuff. And I really enjoyed just how my nervous system felt being in nature a lot more. So yeah, a few years ago, Valerie and I moved to this little remote island and it's really working for me. I just, I, I don't know if it's like working online, but just the contrast with, um, I mean, I'm sure you get it. You spend a lot of time in nature and doing sporty things outside. Yes. But yeah, so that was, that was sort of like my first taste of that and I love it. Nice. Nice. So, and that's, you're a tiny house dweller. I mean, like that's totally a thing that, that tiny house dwellers say that they, even if that's not why they move tiny, it's like, I go outside so much more and I live so much closer Mm -hmm. to nature and just feeling that connection to the outside is, is powerful. Yeah. And I mean, our house now is not huge. It's pretty small. Yeah. And so it's true, like our deck and the woods right outside and the ocean a block away, that's all like kind of a big part of my life. And I am, I guess, technically in a shed right now. So my office is a tiny house. But nice. Oh, so you're in the shed right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was wondering. Is, yeah. It looks awesome. Yeah, there's like a little little bed back there. And yeah. Yeah, I see. I see a bunk right bed. Most people won't be able to see it, but there's a little bunk bed <laughs> behind you and nice V groove pine ceilings. It looks <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Did you ever put the wood stove out there? Uh, no, we have an electric heater out here because I think there was like an insurance issue. Ah, mm-hmm. something yeah. tiny house dwellers deal with as well. Uh, it had to do with like wet certification and it, it was just, we were just like, Ugh, this is, we can't figure this out. So yeah, we'll put, yep. I don't love it. We've got a wood stove in the main house and it's awesome. Yeah. And that's another similarity. Like I, you know, every in the winter, like you wake up and you make a fire and 
at first I was like, wow, this is not something I've ever done before. I've never chopped wood before, but now it's just part of the routine and there's something really nice about it. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm kind of going back a little ways in in the interview, just like embarking on a project, like building a tiny house is very expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly if you're going to build, you know, a house on a trailer, you know, to buy that trailer is going is is many thousands of dollars and i'm curious if you as a multi-potentialite yourself mm-hmm. have any thoughts or, or tips on like how to evaluate whether you're going to take on a project because like just because you're interested in something doesn't you know we have to protect our our time because mm-hmm. we can get too scattered so how do you like how how should people evaluate like Did I jump in? This is going to be a big commitment. Yeah. I mean, I'm a fan of doing things on the side for a while or trying things out. You know, if you are Mm -hmm. becoming interested in something that is expensive or like there's a lot of expensive equipment, maybe you can rent that equipment or borrow it or, you know, just try it out in some way. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can like take one class instead of like enrolling in a whole program or, you know, like maybe there's just some like little ways you can try things out, do some research on the side. All right. So you could rent, you could rent a tiny house. You could rent a tiny house. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I have this concept I call, I call tinkering time. Okay. (laughs) And that's where you sort of like, you've got your priority projects, right? Like I always encourage multi-potentialites to like create a log, like a really long ideas log of of everything you want to do, all of your ideas, all the things you want to explore. And then like, Pick a few and make those your priority projects right now. Yeah. You can even hang them on your wall to like remind you. I've got, I've got there. I don't know if you can see this, but I've got um, a few things hanging there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Index so, cards tacked to the wall. Yeah. Well, there, there were already holes. So I was just like, I'm just going to put them in those specific spots because they're already <laughs> tack holes there. Anyway, so you've got your priority projects. You've got your long list of like, other things that you could do at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. And then there's tinkering time. And tinkering time is like, you're not working on your priority project, but like maybe you want to try something else, something that's on your long list, but you don't want it to like take over your whole day or like feel bad about yourself at the end of the, at the end, at the end of working on it or like go down some like crazy rabbit hole and like not get anything else done. So you set a timer, 40 minutes, mm-hmm. 20 minutes, an hour, whatever. And then you just like let yourself explore and you do all the things you're not supposed to do. Like you multitask and you just like go down that rabbit hole and then the timer goes off and then you can get back to one of your priority projects. But yeah, tinkering time is a good time to like play around with some other ideas and see if there might be something there. And then once you, you know, some time has gone by and like, you you know, a little bit more about whatever it is and what you want, then you can think about making a bigger change. Nice. One thing that I know you, you help multi-potentialites with is, you know, how to kind of create a career out of, out of that, out of that multi-potentiality. And, and I think that a lot of times people who are deciding to live tiny are either retiring from careers or are looking to kind of change what they're doing. Um, could you maybe 
just talk about that, like how multi-potentialites figure out how to make money. Yeah. Because I think that people, I think that my tiny house peeps are going to be interested in this too, because a lot of them are thinking about the same kind of thing. Like, how am I going to make an income? Maybe I'm living in a tiny house, like traveling, or I just don't, you know, now that I don't have this big mortgage, I don't have to work the full-time job, but I want to do something that's more interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. So this was like the big question that I wanted to answer when I was researching my book. Mm -hmm. I did all these interviews and I was like, okay, how do multi-potentialites structure their careers? How do people who are, who kind of self-describe as being both happy and like creatively fulfilled and also financially comfortable, like, and successful, like how have they made it work? And like I said before, there doesn't seem to be one career path that works for everyone, but I did notice some patterns. I put together like this, this, this sort of framework, these four commonly used work models that I found. So the first work model is what I call the group hug approach. And this is where like several of your interests kind of come together in a group hug. So it's like, you know, I interviewed people, I interviewed one woman who, uh, she works in urban planning and she does all kinds of different things like mapping, interviews, research, like field work. And then she's in the office and it's just like a very dynamic job and a very dynamic field where she gets to like combine a lot of her different interests and skills in this one career. Other people will like start a business because often, you know, if you run your own business, you have to wear many different hats just to, to just to make that happen. And sometimes people will like blend their interests in one business. I've got like a whole thing on that too. So yeah, so that's the group hug approach where you kind of like combine things, whether it's in a job or like at, you know, a company that's maybe smaller where they want you to step outside of your job description, like do many different things, maybe even need you to wear many hats or you start your own business, but you're like combining your interest in a single work project. Then we've got the slash approach. And this work model is where instead of combining your interests, you keep them separate and distinct. So this is someone who's like the programmer slash teacher slash um, stand-up comedian slash artist. So people who use the slash approach, they, you know, it, they choose to have part-time work as like an intentional choice. Like most of the people I spoke to get something different from each of their slashes, each of their different work projects, and they wouldn't want to do any one of them full-time. Like the part-time nature of this work model is really key when it's working for someone. And then we've got the, I call it the Einstein work model. And I call it this because Albert Einstein worked at the patent office. He basically was employed by the government Mm -hmm. and he had this like very kind of slow paced nine to five job with benefits, took care of his financial needs. And then he like developed his theories on the side. Like he wasn't paid for them at first, you know? Right. So you could be like Einstein and you could have a day job that like, you you know, you shouldn't hate it. Um, You should enjoy it, but it doesn't need to be your dream job. It doesn't need to be everything. The key, though, is that it needs to leave you with enough free time and energy to pursue your many passions outside of work. You can't be like completely drained at the end of the day or like expected to work until like 11 p.m. at night and then you have no time for your other projects. 
So one example, I, I love talking about this example, this guy, Charlie Harper, he's an IT, he's an IT guy. He works for a company nine to five, but then he leaves the office and he like goes to musical theater practice and he sings in an acapella group and he builds furniture. And when I interviewed him, when I interviewed him, he had just built a boat. So with this work model, you know, it's not for everyone, but it removes the pressure from having to monetize every new thing you become interested in. You can just yeah. kind of like explore your passions freely and not have to worry about the, the financial side. And then the fourth commonly used work model is, I call it the Phoenix approach. Um, and it's sort of like uh, the mythical Phoenix, which mm-hmm. lives this great life. And then at the end, it, you know, it explodes into flames and then like is reborn from the ashes. So these are more sequential multi-potentialites, someone who builds a career in one particular field for a number of years, you know, five, 10, 15 years. And then at a certain point, they're like, okay, like I kind of, I got what I came for. I'm ready for something new. Mm -hmm. And then they shift and they start a new career in a totally different area. Usually they'll explore on the side a little bit before they make that shift, just to make it a bit smoother. Maybe they'll get some training or volunteer or just like, you know, make some connections before they make that shift. But this is totally something people do. People, and, and sometimes you don't notice it until you're looking back, but I'll talk to someone and they'll be like, yeah, I did this for 10 years. And then I shifted into this totally different thing for 10 years. And then, um, so that's another way that multipods get their variety. And any of those four work models can work and you can mix them and match them, do one for a while, switch to another one. But I find just like breaking it up into these concrete models helps people kind of have a starting place. Yeah. Do you think that multi-potentialites experience burnout at a rate that's like either higher or lower than, than the specialists out there? I don't know. I mean... I think, you know, you need to have like healthy boundaries and creative processes and that you can have those as a multi-potentialite. You can have those as a specialist yeah, or you can not. So I I don't know that multipods burn out more. I think it's just like, yeah, we need to figure out our own kind of productivity system that works for us because like the typical advice might not, but I think it can be done in a healthy way. Cool. Good to know. <laughs> one thing that I like to ask, one thing that I like to ask, one thing that I like to ask all of my guests is um, what are two or three books or resources that, that are currently inspired for you? I'm going to say that are currently inspiring you. Usually I ask them like books and resources that inspired your tiny house journey, but. <laughs> cool. I mean, you know this, Ethan, because we're friends, but right now I'm pretty interested in astrology and it's a totally different topic. <laughs> yeah. So I've been reading, you know, Channy Nicholas's book is amazing. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not into astrology, I feel like that'll get you into it. And it's just a, a delightful read. Mm-hmm. I, and then also like reading a lot of parenting books right now because we're going on that journey too. <laughs> nice. But yeah, another book I would recommend that has been really inspiring for me is Amanda Palmer's book, The Art of Asking. Have you read that? Yes, I listened to it. I love, oh, nice. Yeah, Yeah. and she plays music throughout the audiobook version too, doesn't she? Yeah. I should should listen to the audiobook version. Yeah, it's a good listen. So that's a lovely book, um, really inspiring. It's kind of 
part self-help, part memoir, just really like if you're a creative person encourages you to ask for help and um, to be okay with, with people helping. Yeah. <laughs> and also it's, it's just really fun. It's a, it's a, it's a great book. I second that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Emily Wapnick, thank you so much for, for being a guest on the, on the show. And for anyone listening, um, I would love to know if you consider yourself a multi-potentialite. Um, because my hunch is that there are a lot of you out there listening. So, you know, send me an email podcast at the tiny house.net. I'd love to love to read them. And, um, you know, after the episode ends, I'll tell you where the show notes page is, and there'll be links to everything that, that Emily does. And, um, she does really great work. Emily, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Thank you so much to Emily Wapnick for being a guest on the show today. You can find the show notes, including links to everything that Emily does, including her best-selling book, her online community, and her blog at thetinyhouse.net slash 173. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 173, where you will also find a complete transcript of today's episode. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.